Hey, for the next several minutes, I want to start a, a series of messages. I've got message number one entitled Generous, Generous, but the end is U.S., us. Y'all here? Okay. And um, today's message is very interesting. I, uh, it comes from the book of Galatians. Uh, it's a small little book tucked away in the New Testament, six chapters, um, very interesting place, uh, very interesting problem. And uh, how many of you are aware that most of what the Apostle Paul wrote was to solve problems? If he did not become uh, the great apostle that he was, he would have done well in quality control. Somebody here working quality control? Raise your hand if you do quality control. All right, that's not going to work, all right? Quality control, making sure things are done right, inspecting, uh, and, and this was a big part of his job. He would find out about a problem, and he would either go back and visit the place he had been to already where he started a church, or he would write them a letter. And uh, most of the letters, except really Philippians, was to solve a problem. Hey, there's a problem in Galatia. There's this town that is not too far away from where he was in Athens. And, and uh, so he wrote a letter to this church. And today I want to talk about the crux of the letter and uh, introduce to you to a couple of the problems that he was facing. But the epistle of Paul is directed not to the church or churches of a single city. It is directed to a, an area about the size of Erie County. How many of you wish there was somebody that could send a letter to everybody in Erie County and they would fix what's wrong? All right, I come to work on 79 from 12th Street every day. How many of you are here? Anybody do that with me? Raise your hand because I can see the anger in your eyes for the last three weeks and it's still not done. And wouldn't it be nice if we got a letter from someone that said, hey, your street is always going to be nice. No potholes in Erie. <laughs> How many of you know where Target is? You know where Target is? Everybody knows where Target is. There's a road behind Target that'll take you out to Hershey. Has anybody here ever been on it? Yeah, don't go on it. You could, you could fall in, and you won't, no one will ever know you're gone. I thought, I'm going to cut through here. I'm going to find this place. And now I know why it is the way it is. I did it once. I'll never do it again. And that's what Paul was doing with the church of Galatia. He had not been long absent from them before some Judaizing teachers, some teachers of legalism, had come in and said to them, Justification by faith is true, that when you're forgiven of your sins, God cleanses you from all your sins and all your unrighteousness, and you are saved, and you are free from your sins. How many of you believe that? But there were these people, known as Judaizers, that came, they were there already, and they, they were like, it can't be just that. So we need to add something to our salvation. And so they said, you can have justification, all that is true, but you need to add to it all the over 4,000 laws of the Old Testament. So it's not enough to be justified, 
you have to follow the law as well. And Paul heard about it. And he said, I got to fix this. How many of you have ever seen something? You go, you know what? I, I've got to fix this. Let me give you an illustration. We just moved. We have a garage. And there was still stuff in the garage that needed to go to the basement. My wife is very subtle. Yesterday, she said, hey, I'll bet. We don't bet, but you know what I mean. Like, she didn't lay any money down. She wouldn't do that, okay? She said, well, I'll bet if you took a half hour, you could get that stuff out of the garage to the basement. Now, my spirit immediately said, don't you tell me what to do. Are you here? But then my heart said, all right, I'll give you a half an hour. At 30 minutes, wherever I am, I'm stopping. So I started. She said, there's a problem in Galatia. Our garage looks like a, looks like a storage unit. So I started, I started, and it was hot. How many of you know it was humid, hot? I started sweating. I can look at work and sweat. <laughs> I started sweating. I carried all the, I kept carrying, 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 put it down in the basement. I got it all done. And I looked at the clock and I said, 27 minutes. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and go home because... I, I, you know, once, once I declare a win, let's just move on, all right? But Paul was the same way with the Scripture. He said, listen, there's something wrong. We've got to fix this. And so he teaches about justification by faith. Then he gets to the sixth chapter of this book, and he says in the sixth verse, which is very interesting, he said, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that over the next several minutes, we would understand that in order for us to reap what we sow, we have to sow to the right things, and that you will take care of of our reaping. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let me talk about reaping what you sow. Uh, this text, very clearly, I'm just going to tell you, in, in the sixth verse, it says, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word, listen, should share all good things with their instructor. And so the apostle Paul was telling the church of Galatia, listen, Somebody taught you about the truth of justification, about the truth of salvation, about the truth of heavenly rewards. So what you should do is you should find a way to be generous so they can continue to teach and not stop teaching so the Judaizers don't come in and start adding to justification by faith. Salvation is a free gift with no strings attached. Are you with me? It's a free gift, no strings attached, and, and we are called to have faith because faith without works is dead. We shouldn't have a dead faith, but our works, you know, the scripture says it's kind of like filthy rags. 
I have some of those in the garage, too. But we're getting rid of those. <laughs> Filthy rags. So it's interesting that uh, this text is very clear about what it says. Let me sum it up for you. It is about giving money or things that teachers needed so they could continue to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who have never heard and to people who need to grow in their faith. It's exactly what Paul was saying. There's no other way to put it. I wrote in my notes, you can't make it say what it doesn't say, and you can't make it not say what it does say. This text is very, very clear, that we should all give to the cause and the teaching of the gospel. Scripture is very clear. Bring your gifts to the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? Okay, it's like eight people. How many of you are here? Yeah, I'm just checking. Some of you still aren't. Listen real close. God has called us to be generous to the storehouse, to the church. A guy asked me one time, he said, Pastor Steve, he said, uh, you know, I tithe, but I got a little different concept of what I do. I give 2% to this youth ministry. I give 1% to this ministry. I give 3%. And he went through this whole thing, how he had it all, all his tithe broken up. And he said, what do you think of that? I said, well, here's what I suggest you do. When you have family problems, when you have sickness, when you have struggles, or you want someone to be one to Christ, or you want someone to grow in Christ, call those people. Ask them to come to your house. That's not the storehouse, gang. How many of you are here? How many of you are going, could you get done already? No, I'm being dead serious. And I said, you know, that, to me, that's offerings. That's not tied. You're kind of splitting this thing up, and it's going all over the place. And then I said this to him. Let me ask you another question. What if everybody did what you do? What would happen to the church? What would happen to the preaching of the gospel for this community? What would happen to the growth of the body of Christ in this community? And he looked at me, and he just stared at me for a second. He said, I, I guess it would have to close up. I said, there you go. How many of you are here? And Paul said, listen, here's, I, I can't say it any other way. I can't say you ought to try or, you know, so on and so forth. So the concept today is we're going to talk about giving so that the gospel of Christ is preached. How many of you know it's important that the gospel of Christ is preached? <laughs> get louder. Because the, the louder you get, the sooner I get done. There you go, right back there. I saw that. He went to his feet. Now, let me tell you about the law of sowing and reaping. We've established what this text is about. You can't take a text. Listen, a text out of context is a pretext. Everybody hear that? A text, this text, if you try and take it out of context to get to say something else, then you're trying to make an argument using this text. Does that make sense? So a text out of context is a pretext. This text is very clear on what it's talking about. So let me describe to you reaping and sowing. A couple of weeks ago, my son-in-law and daughter from Georgia brought their three boys up here to Erie. 
And the main intent was to go on vacation, but the secondary intent was to go to wrestling camp at Edinburgh University. Thank you. And so the eight-year-old and the 11-year-old, they went to camp over in the big field house. And then for two, three nights, the five-year-old went to camp in the wrestling room at Edinburgh. All right? So uh, we took them every night, and we'd be, we are those, we're those parents that stand back in the corner and watch because we want to see all the famous people. As a matter of fact, Bruce Baumgartner was there. You guys know Bruce? Yeah. Bruce was there, and he gave a speech to the boys, and he said, uh, guys, you know, I was a two-time Olympic gold medalist. I was a world champion. As a matter of fact, for 19 straight years, I didn't lose a match on U.S. soil. And so my, my grandsons got in the car, and they said, Pop up, have you ever met Bruce Baumgartner? I said, yes, I've met Bruce Baumgartner. Matter of fact, he's met me. They said, did you know he hasn't lost a match in U.S. soil? He didn't lose a match for like 19 years on U.S. soil. He's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time world champion. They said, that's incredible. I said, yeah. I said, I, I knew all that. I said, but let me tell you something. I haven't lost a match in the last 19 years on U.S. soil either. <laughs> and tomorrow night when you go there, you go up and say, Pastor Steve said, not only has he not lost a match, he hasn't given up a point in 19 years. <laughs> well, they went to camp. I, they're, they're my grandsons. I have, I have four grandsons, two granddaughters. <clears throat> and they're tank one, tank two, and tank three. I won't explain. If you want to know, ask me afterwards. But he's tank three. So tank three was not behaving. And he got in trouble. And uh, we got in the car to go home, and his dad said, um, you just go home, you're not going to get special treat. He said, he was mad. He's just mad. And he's kicking and fussing. And my son-in-law says, as a matter of fact, we're going to go to the ice cream place right by your university out there. You know that ice cream place. And uh, so we pull in, and he said, you're not getting any ice cream, because he kicked his dad's seat, the back of his seat. He said, that's it. You're not getting ice cream. And uh, so he was really hot. And everybody got ice cream except for him, and he cried. And we drove back by the university to leave town, and he saw that big white dome out there. Have you ever seen the dome out at Edinburgh, at EU, right? It's the indoor track, and we drove by the dome, and he, from the back seat, said, Hey, Dad, you see that big white building there? I said, Yeah, I see it. He said, That's where all the bad dads in the world go. That's where you go. And my son-in-law, just cool as a cucumber, he said, Oh, okay, that's good to know. So we got home walked in the door, and Tank 3 walked in, and mom saw him, his, his mommy saw him cry. He said, what's the matter? He said, oh. and this is how he talked. He's very mad. I, I, I got in trouble. Dad, Dad, he got everybody else. He got them all ice cream, all of them. Papa got ice cream. Dad got ice cream. Tank 1 got ice cream. Tank 2 got ice cream. You know what I got? You know what I got, Mom? 
I got a whole great big nothing. I got nothing. And she looked and said, well, were you bad? He goes, yes, but I still got nothing. And she said, you reaped what you sowed. So the next day we go to practice. We're on our way. We pull in the campus of Edinburgh, the big white building's there. He goes, hey, Dad, because everything's good now. Hey, Dad, see that big white building over there? I said, yes. He goes, that's where all the bad dads go. But you don't go there anymore. <laughs> now that boy got ice cream. There are three fundamental principles relating to sowing and reaping. First, you do reap what you sow. Do not be, be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I'm sure you've heard that phrase thousands of times. It's a common saying because it's self-evident truth. You reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. The law of reaping and sowing is a timeless truth. It is always true and always will be true. Jesus taught in timely truths and timeless truths. Everybody hear me? When he was walking in the book of Acts with the disciples, two of them came up to him and said, when will you restore the kingdom? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, but the Holy Spirit will come and he will be poured out upon you and you shall reach People for Christ should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus taught a timely truth and a timeless truth all right at the same time. Does that make sense to everybody? He said, listen, the timely truth is you guys are thinking and worried about the wrong thing. Forget about that. Be filled with the Spirit forever, and you will fulfill what God has called you to do. A timeless truth and a timely truth. The law of sowing and reaping is a timeless truth. It's not just for the moment. And it's for everyone. How many of you are here? How many have ever reaped what you sowed in a big white building kind of way? <laughs> you didn't get any ice cream. How many of you have reaped what you sowed in a wonderful kind of way? Daddy, you don't go there anymore. There are some hearers of the gospel who contributed generously toward the maintenance of the preacher. And the apostle, apostle Paul says that they gave, what they gave would be like sowing good seed in return for which God will give them an abundant harvest. But there were others who gave sparingly and who would therefore have proportionately a small return. Our present actions that we take with our finances have eternal value. Did everybody hear that? You can write that in your notes. Our actions that we take with our finances have eternal value. That's exactly what Paul was saying. He who acts for the present moment is the one that is like the one who is unworried, not worried about the harvest. So he either thinks to save by sparse sowing or else rectively uh, sows obnoxious seeds in his fields and he doesn't get the kind of return that God promises. How many of you want to reap a great harvest? Now, here's an interesting thing in this text. He said, those who sow to the flesh will receive corruption. But those who sow to the spirit 
Now, this is where a lot of times this verse gets, conf gets confused because people will say, well, if I give money, then God will give me more money. So they have a get-to-get -get motive. Are you here? The interesting thing is God says if you sow the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, he doesn't say you're going to receive money. What's he say? He says you're going to receive eternal life. Well, what does that mean? Well, this is what it means. As you sow your seed in money or things, eventually that, that, that which you give turns into salvation for people who will now go to heaven that weren't going to. Y'all follow me? So it's not a give to get. If I give this, I'll get that. It might happen, but it's not a timeless truth. The timeless truth is when you give to the storehouse, God will bless with lives being changed. I want to ask you a tough question. How'd you get saved? How many of you here would say, I am a follower of Christ. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. So I want you to raise your hand real high. Hold it up there. I'm going to see who doesn't have it up. We're going to have an altar call real quick. All right. You can put that down. Okay. Now, listen real close. If I were to bring you up here and give you a microphone and say, hey, tell me how you got saved. Somewhere it would link back to someone teaching someone about the gospel of Christ. And they can't do it if they can't pay for it. How many of you are here? It's kind of like walking out on the check. How many of you think that would be, a, how many of you have ever been a wait, waitress or a waiter? See, all you guys have. It's just automatic with college. Everybody's done it once. Yeah, a friend of ours, and she was a waitress. I said, do people actually ever walk out of the check? She goes, all the time. I said, you got to be kidding me, really? I said, yeah. I said, she said, I hate it. I said, it's stealing. <laughs> you should hate it. Now, when it comes to the teaching of the gospel of Christ, someone led us to Christ. Listen, here's a good word. We should be compelled. Are you ready? We should be compelled to give to the teaching, to the system of teaching the scriptures and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be something we automatically want to do. I got three yups. How many of you hear me? So it's not, sowing and reaping is not giving and getting. Can you imagine a farmer standing in a field in which he has sown wheat seeds and being frustrated because corn is now coming up? That'd be foolish. But that is what precisely so many believers do. They expect a harvest of something they've never planted. Let me emphasize once again, this is not a holy get-rich-quick scheme. We don't sow for the purpose of getting more money. However, we do sow for the purpose of eternal life. Bottom line. So first and foremost, we reap what we sow. Secondly, you reap after you sow. How many of you want to leave now? You reap after you sow. Whoever sows to the flesh reaps corruption. This is the second principle you need to know. Once again, I know that seems mind-numbingly simple, but you cannot believe how many people say things like, someday, when I get more money, I'm going to be a giver. 
Are you here? Once again, this is the principle God has woven into the natural order of things. Jesus affirms that in today's biblical truth, Matthew 4, 26, when he says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by day and rise by night, or sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. Now, I've never been a farmer, but I have had a garden. How many of you have a garden? How many of you had one and don't do that anymore? We had this garden. We got tomato plants at Lowe's, and we got um, cucumbers, and we got um, pickles, or like little cucumbers. And then we did um, our own herbs, herbs. <laughs> and we had about a two-foot by eight-foot planter. Now, I've never done farming. So I figured you better do them far apart. So I did a tomato plant, one at this end, one in the middle, one at the end. Then I did um, cucumbers, and there was some other vine plant in there. And it started to grow. And how many of you are like me? I'm like, Sue, it's bigger. <laughs> it's bigger. This is so cool. I'd go out every day and stand and look at it, just stare at it. And how many of you know when you grow cucumbers, they hide? They do. They hide. And then you think when you left in the morning, there weren't any. You come back at night, there's a big one laying there. Like, where was he? He was hiding. And all this stuff started growing. We got vines all over the place. And I learned the law of sowing and reaping. We had cucumbers coming out of our ears. We had tomatoes. There was stuff growing across the patio. And Susan's like, should we trim it? I'm like, no, there's a cucumber. And they're just waiting to come out. I'm so excited about reaping. You can't reap until you sow and you reap after you sow. Do you imagine that same irrational farmer that planted nothing going out to his field and saying, I am so ticked off. I planted nothing and there's no corn. Now, we know that's kind of idiotic. How many of you are here? But there are people that think they will reap without sowing. You can't. Finally, not only do you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, but finally, you reap more than you sow. The essence of this principle can be found in Psalm 126, 5 through 6, which says... Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. There's nothing like reaping. As this passage implies, the principles of the harvest increase is so powerful that even if you cry when you plant the seeds your little precious bag of seed, your tears will turn to rejoicing as you begin bringing in cucumbers and tomatoes and eternal life. And all of a sudden, you're sitting in this big room and your next-door neighbor is sitting next to you who didn't know Christ, but now they do. 
And now they're belong, they, they got involved in some kind of a group study and they're learning about their salvation. They're learning how to grow. They're learning everything about the word of God. They can't, they can't get enough of the word of God. And you're just sitting there looking going, I sow to see. Stephen, you think we ought to, we think maybe we ought to trim. No, I trim him back because he's a cucumber. And he's going to get another cucumber. You watch, it's going to happen. And we're going to have cucumbers all over this place. Are you with me? Because someone sowed the seed and now they are reaping more than they sowed. My little tomato plant, little teeny little thing, we were getting tomatoes off of that thing all well into October. They were green, but they were, they were, they were there. <laughs> I don't know much about farming, but I did do some study this week, and I want you to think about this. Just a few kernels of planted corn will produce a stalk with several ears. Each ear will contain hundreds of seed kernels. That's a pretty good return, isn't it? So I, I, I researched corn on the cob because I know you can relate to that. How many of you have had corn on the cob sometime in the last month? Raise your hand. When you walk into Wegmans, they got it all peeled for you, rolled up in cellophane, you know. Or you can get your own and you can actually pull the stalk down in the store. How many of you believe that's a sign of a good store? Go ahead, peel it back. If I go in a store and they have a sign that says, you cannot peel back this corn, I just say, I'm not going here anymore. <laughs> if you can't peel back your corn, I'm, this is not for me. So I studied a stalk of corn. How many kernels of corn are on the average piece of corn on the cob? You ready? Couple of seeds planted in the ground produce one cob, an average of eight Hundred kernels in rows in, in, in uh, 12 to 16 rows. Some of you know that already because you eat four rows at a time, then you turn, <laughs> then you eat the next four. Am I describing you? Huh? There's a dad over here going, see, I told you, that's how you eat corn. You eat it one row at a time. You don't take a bite arbitrarily. It's an ugly piece of corn when you do that. Corn is sold by the bushel. A bushel of corn can contain up to upwards of 7,280,000 kernels of corn. Let me tell you as we close. Reaping really far exceeds sowing. When I was a kid, 18 years old, I got my first full-time job. I worked for what was called Acme Markets at the time. I stocked shelves late at night. I did the pickle aisle, sugar, pickles, syrup. Don't ever do syrup. It breaks. It's just, I'm just, word of warning. That was my, I had flour. And I stocked that, and I made $5 an hour. I made $200 a week. And when I got paid, they didn't have automatic deposit then. 
I went straight to the front of the store, and they cashed my check at the store. I carried cash. How many of you are here? You carried checks. A real man carried cash. And I'd come home on a Friday. I'd have my, thing in, my money in my pocket. I'd walk in, and my mom would say, first thing, because I work night shift, about 8 o'clock in the morning, she'd say, do you get paid? I said, yeah. She said, lay $20 on the table. She said, that's your tithe. And it goes to me. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't tithe to you. She goes, yeah, but I don't trust that you will put it in the plate. I will. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I pulled out my wad of money, and I pulled a 20 out, lay on the table, and I start. Listen, guys, I know what it is to sow in tears. Laid that money down in the back of my pocket. I remember 26 years ago when I was on staff in this church, there was a pastor that came here, a missionary that came here, and he told a story about Burkina Faso. How do you remember Burkina Faso? His name was Jean Pawantari. And Pawantari came here, and he said, let me tell you about my country. My country knows what it is to reap and sow. My country knows that you can't reap until after you've sown. And thirdly, you reap far more than you sow. I told the story of a little boy who saw a sack of seed hanging in their hut in West Africa. Some of you here have been there. And he came running with the seed because they were running out of food. And he brought the bag to the family. He said, Daddy, Daddy, look, I found seed. I found seed we can eat tonight. And the father, the leader, looked at him and took the bag from him. He said, oh, no, son. And tears coming down his cheeks. He said, oh, no, son. So we, 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 can't, we can't eat that. He said, that's for next year's harvest. So they would eat what little bit they had. And it was time to plant. And Palantari said this. He said, a lot of times the parents would put the kids on their backs when they planted the seed so they could watch them sow and learn how to sow but also understand the principle. So he had him in like a pouch on his back and he said he's seen these fathers put their fingers in the ground, drop the seeds in the ground with tears just pouring out of their eyes because they knew that it would only be by the grace of God that they would have enough food to eat until the harvest came. The psalmist knew what he was talking about. Those who sow in tears will come rejoicing, bringing in ears of corn with 800 kernels on it in rows of 12. You reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, and you reap a whole lot more than you sow. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here have a neighbor, a friend, a family member, or an enemy that you know needs Jesus? Raise your hand. Giving is a big part of whether or not they're going to have that seed planted in the ground. 
And you may cry while you plan it, but I want to tell you at some point, this truth, this timeless truth comes true. Let me tell you how I know you're here. Some day, way back, someone raised their hand and said, yeah, I got, a, I got a daughter who needs to come to Christ. And you're her. I got a son, and you're him. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Real, real, real private. I'm not going to sing a song. We're just going to pray, and then we're going to go. But I, I just want to ask you a question. How are you sowing? How's your sowing going? Some of you may be able to come up. You could, if you had time, come up front and say, let me tell you a story how, how God has blessed me. But I want to pray with you and ask God to help us to sow, to be generous so that others will know Jesus as their Savior and grow in the Word of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray in your name for everybody in this room. God, I pray you would speak to their hearts and you would make us sowers. And God, that we would sow to eternal life. And God, we would also see the blessing of the reaping and how much more we reap than we sow when we are generous. Help us all to be generous starting today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.